At the American Booksellers Association's Winter Institute meeting this week, indie booksellers heard their online nemesis branded a monopolist and a tax evader. Since 2014, Douglas Preston has led the Authors United movement to force the Department of Justice to charge Amazon with antitrust violations. He told ABA members that the company is a contemporary equivalent of Standard Oil, the Gilded Age giant that finally fell to the trust-busting sword of President Theodore Roosevelt. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Amazon unquestionably makes a big and easy-to-spot target. Yet the attacks on it raise questions not so easily answered by the epithet monopolist. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, joins me now to explain why. And Andrew, welcome back to Beyond the Book. Greetings, Chris. Well, well, indeed, it has been a kind of an anti-Amazon week, and uh, two events uh, across the country sort of uh, made that clear to us. And on Wednesday, uh, the Authors Guild and Authors United got together in Washington, D.C. What happened there? Yeah, that's right. And you can read all about that meeting on the PW website. We previewed it a little bit on our podcast last week about what we might expect from this event. And from the reports that we have, I think it largely lived up to my expectations or down to my expectations, I might say. I personally was unable to attend, but PW did have a writer there and she filed a report that suggests the event featured, as we expected, a lot of heavy rhetoric, but not really too many specifics. I guess the most newsy thing that was kind of discussed there was the ongoing effort to pin antitrust claims on Amazon. You know, our listeners will recall that last year, Authors United urged the Department of Justice to examine Amazon for antitrust violations. Authors Guild President Mary Rasenberger said that a recent meeting with the DOJ went very well. But really, how well did it go? And I ask that because even at this event sponsored by Amazon's critics, the Authors Guild and Authors United, there seemed to be no consensus on exactly what anti-competitive behavior Amazon might actually be brought into the dock for. One of the presenters there was a gentleman named Maurice Stuckey. He's a professor of antitrust law at the University of Tennessee and co-founder of the Data Competition Institute. And Stuckey said that Amazon might be investigated because of how it can manipulate, and I'll quote here, the flow of books across its platform. Uh, another speaker pointed out that Amazon has, well, little competition in the in ebook the e business, and that's true. But as we all know, it takes a lot more than claims like that to bring in antitrust action. And I think in one of the most telling remarks, Stuckey concluded that whatever the legal case against Amazon may be, question remains, who's going to make it? And he also noted that once the deterrent value of antitrust action falls off, it then becomes a matter of political will. Why isn't the government more involved in enforcing antitrust laws against agency, he asked? Well, maybe because the case just isn't there yet. Well, okay. Now, all of that seems very telling. To you. you follow this pretty closely. You've got some interesting interpretations here. Tell us more. Yeah, and I'll emphasize here, as usual, that these are my views of this and not necessarily those of my esteemed employer, Publishers Weekly. You always know you're going to get something good <laughs> when I offer the disclaimer. But yeah, it, it was telling to me. And first and foremost, because the underlying concern of the event as it was pitched was sort of this free speech, uh, culturally related issue that Amazon was sort of using its market power in a way that might someday stop people from getting books or hurt the future creation of books. And I'm Quoting here from the invitation, never in the history of our country has a single corporation 
dominated the vital marketplace of information until today. Well, that was how the invitation to this event was pitched by Douglas Preston and Authors United. And yet here we have this group of authors who are supposed to be concerned about free speech, and they're calling for this sort of ongoing, sweeping government fishing expedition into a company that say what you want about their negotiations and their ambitions, but Amazon has fostered a huge boom in cultural output. I don't think anyone would dispute that. Scott Turow, the Authors Guild president himself, admitted that, uh, former Authors Guild president, I should say, himself admitted that Amazon has in fact been very good to him. But I have to say, I'm confounded as to why these authors would think that sort of this nebulous, sprawling government action is the answer here. And I especially question this because as Stuckey himself said, this is our, our antitrust expert that was on the panel, antitrust actions are limited in what they can actually achieve. And we can point to one recent case that demonstrates this, and that's the Apple case. You know, whatever you think of that case, it was a very, very narrowly brought case. It addressed one issue, and that was collusion by a cartel of businesses to allegedly raise consumer prices. It did not sprawl. It did not get away from that. It did not get into publishing or free speech issues. It was very limited. It was targeted, and then it ended. And two years later, Apple got exactly, and the publishers got exactly what they wanted, which was agency pricing and control over consumer prices. But what really kind of gets me about this Authors United event was that we have authors here arguing for political and legal action when I think they actually hold the most power here. If you don't like Amazon's terms, you can just say no. Now, I know it's a lot more complicated than that, but I think it starts there. And if nothing else, the Apple price fixing case, I think, articulated perfectly all the concerns the industry has with Amazon's business practices, right? We know what all the common concerns are now. They've been covered ad, you know, ad nauseum in the media. We know that authors and publishers are very wary of feeding that beast that they feel wants to eat them. And we also know that the industry can act collectively for what it sees as the greater good. So if we all know the problems, and we all know that publishers and authors can come to some consensus and can act collectively, then why do we need government action to save us here? Now, I'm not exactly pro-Amazon. Its practices are very concerning to me, and I agree that there are serious issues facing us now and in our information future. But fundamentally, I still look at it this way. No one is holding a gun to anyone's head and making them sign Amazon contracts. Sure, Amazon is the clear market leader here. You kind of need them on your side. Yes, they're brutal negotiations. Negotiators. But if they went out tomorrow, you could still get books and you could still publish books pretty easily in this country. You could still exchange ideas and speech. You know, God forbid a reader should have to patronize Barnes and Noble or Apple or Google or Kobo or Sony or Smashwords or go to an indie bookstore. So whatever Amazon is doing, there really is still a vibrant supply chain existing alongside them in the publishing business that, despite Amazon's actions, has managed to grow, and I would say by leaps and bounds in its efficiency. So in that light, you know, the call for Amazon action looks to me to be less about the free flow of ideas and a cultural uh, position here than a market position. And to that end, I'll just also note the irony of the Authors Guild pointing the finger at Amazon for having too much power over books when the Authors Guild is currently asking the Supreme Court in the Google case to essentially make internet searches about books a licensed access market. And they're asking Congress to force ISPs to filter their networks for allegedly unlicensed pirated materials. So you know, what I think the industry is really sort of crying out for here is a competitor to Amazon, a real competitor to Amazon that would make the negotiating field a little more level. I don't think they're looking for as much of a government smackdown of Amazon as they are 
a competitor. But frankly, I have to question whether that competitor is ever going to come along as long as the publishers show that they're not really capable of standing up and saying no to Amazon. And even more bluntly, I think the prospect of inviting the DOJ to come poking around in publishing practices doesn't exactly sweeten the deal for any would-be competitors. Indeed not. And, you know, Andrew, it's not only the authors who get worked up about Amazon, of course. Uh, Indie bookstores do as well. And, And their thinking can sometimes be, well, just as multi-directional as the authors and and their critics, the Amazon's critics rather, were on display this week at the annual gathering of the 2016 Winter Institute, which just wrapped up in Denver. As I mentioned at the uh, uh, top of the store of, of the show, uh, Doug Preston was there as well. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and first off, uh, congratulations to our friend Oren Teicher in the ABA for what sounded like, yeah, another truly excellent Winter Institute. Uh, you can read all of our coverage about that event on the PW site. We had a team of reporters there and they filed a lot of great coverage. Uh, and you know, and it was a really strong year for indie book selling. You know, there was a lot of good news out there, a lot of positive stuff going on. But still, yeah, as you suggest, Amazon really loomed very large over this show. And Doug Preston was there for a talk that also included Oren and the Authors Guild's Richard Russo. And you can read our recap on the PW site of that. But briefly, you know, it was really much of the same stuff that happened at the Wednesday meeting in D.C. Preston compared Amazon to the old Standard Oil, which you mentioned in your intro, uh, which, of course, was broken up by the government in 1911. And he also pressed his, you know, sort of First Amendment concerns, as he termed them, about Amazon's really large market share. And booksellers really, you know, took it all to heart. In fact, that session ended with a standing ovation. Well, apart from all the name calling, though, there actually were some facts presented around this issue. And ABA debuted a study about Amazon, which contained some interesting numbers. Yeah, that's what the American Booksellers Association and Civics Economics, which is an organization headquartered in Chicago that studies the state of retailing in the U.S., released a report at uh, the Winter Institute on the impact of online retailing on American communities in terms of lost state and local tax revenues. The report is titled Amazon and Empty Storefront the fiscal and land use impact of online retail. And it determined that the failure of 23 states plus Washington, D.C. to actually go out and collect full sales tax on Amazon sales uh, resulted in $625 million in lost revenue in 2014 to state coffers. And it went out to know all the great things that those states could have done with $625 million. Stacy Mitchell, who's the co-director of the Center for Local Reliance, also was on that panel at Winter Institute. And she noted that Amazon is a company that, and these are her words, that takes more than it gives back to the community. And she urged the booksellers in attendance to help generate a, a more vibrant public dialogue at the local and state levels about the report's findings. Well, like Preston and his like Standard Oil comparison, Mitchell compared Amazon to the 19th century railroad monopolies before the creation of the Interstate Commerce Commission back in the late 1800s. And she pointed out that Amazon wants to sell everything and use its dominance in the marketplace to obliterate all of its competitors. And That's not inaccurate. (laughs) I think that may be true. But she pointed to booksellers out there and said that you all are the solution. She said uh, that, you know, suggesting that booksellers basically should go out to other organizations, including the media, including their locals and state governments, and help heighten the awareness of the negative impact that Amazon is having by, quote unquote, separating commerce from place. You can read more about that session on the PW website. And of course, the full report is there, too. It's interesting stuff. 
Well, we will certainly read that report, Andrew. Look forward to that. And you know, this phrase separating commerce from place uh, describes Amazon to a T, but it also describes everyone else on the web. And so it's going to be a pretty tough slog to uh, get to that solution you're suggesting. But it does start with booksellers working to heighten awareness about the impact of all the Internet changes uh, in businesses like theirs and others as well. So with that, Andrew Albanese, senior writer at Publishers Weekly, want to thank you for joining us as you do every Friday on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global rights licensing technology and content workflow organization. At CCC, we serve more than 35,000 customers and 15,000 copyright holders worldwide. We manage over 950 million rights from the world's most sought-after journals, books, blogs, movies, and more. You can follow Beyond the Book on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to the free podcast series on iTunes or at our website, beyondthebook.com. Our engineer and co-producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book.